This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 703, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners, just like you. I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day when I saw that hers come rolling for to carry my mother away. Well, Mr. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 703. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is Josh Flanagan, my co-host. I am that guy. <laughs> we are a fanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks our favorite book called The Pick of the Week. We talk about that book, other books in the week, the patron pick. We're going to try to do some listener mail, try to get better about that, have fun, spoil your comics. It's a review show. There'll be spoilers, exercise some caution. And this week, Josh, you had the pick. Yeah, I enjoyed my comics. This I week. did too. Yes, um, I, I definitely compared to last week where we're like, Ugh. this week I was like, oh, I enjoyed that, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed this one. Oh, this one was good too. So, so that was really good. I actually had several choices. I think in the four to four and a half range. Mm-hmm. You know what that's, I'm saying? That's definitely fair. Yep. Not necessarily like, wow, that blew me away. But I had a bunch that I was like, oh, I could make this the pick quite easily. It started early. In the end, I decided. Well, we're back again. Let's not just let's just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And deceased number five uh, is the pick. You read it, so I assume yep. you'll know exactly why. This is great. This is always great. I feel like lately, you and I are are. There's a couple of books, a couple of types of books, really, that have been tickling our fancies. Mm-hmm. And there's a nostalgic sort of thing about it, like, oh, this is. These are the bits about these kind of comics that we like. And as all the other comics sort of morph and change and adapt to the world, we've definitely we're definitely developing nostalgia is not the right thing. But there is just there's a type of superhero comic book now that I think we're both looking for, which is, you know, just something that gets to the roots of what it is we like about these characters and sort of the touches the history. Yeah, it of- tends to be kind of elseworldy you know last week was it was a black label book so that yeah. was out of continuity this is out of continuity and if you look at the picks we've been making i think i mean a lot of it's bendis but you know i think we're finding our joy in dc right now whereas in the past huh. we didn't so this is where we're enjoying things at the moment you know this is the kind of book that as you said gets to the essence it's not it's not caught up in what else is going on in other books it's not worried about continuities it's just these are these are these characters in a in a high stakes situation, and so these are this is this is actually a really great crossover story. This is a really great yeah, event, right. event story. It's like this is what you want out of an event story. You want all the characters. Mm-hmm. You want high stakes. You want great emotional moments. You want sadness. You want happiness. And since the stakes are gen- are high here because it's out of continuity, so yeah. people, people are dying all the time, and so that's the highest stakes you can have in comics. You know, in a, in a book like this, where death is real, yeah, this is like the best DC event book I've read in a long time. Yeah, and and you know, hard choices for characters, and and I, I mean, I think that one of the things is, you know, I'm speaking for you to a certain extent, but you know, there's a bit where like I just want to see superheroes be be heroic and do yeah. good things, or even try really hard to do the right thing. Like right. that's and like the, that's the stuff that's really speaking to me right now. And obviously, you can read into that in all sorts of ways. But, um, you know, that's in here. So 
couple of things that are great about this. First of all, you know, Tom Taylor has been great on this the whole way through, and he just keeps doing the same things that, you know, put a couple of these characters in a room, put them in this situation, and watch how they interact with each other. Yep. And the best moments of this aren't the fights or the, you know, expl- you know, all that stuff. It's, you know, Lex Luthor and Superman. Lex is kind of trying to be nice, but he's being a dick, and Lois decks him. Yeah, and I really like, like... There's all sorts of ver- diversions of, of Lex Luthor that you can do, and I, I think that this is a pretty good one. I like it when he's not evil, evil. evil. Yeah, like 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 the version running around DC right now where he's like a supervillain. Like that's he's way like more him. interesting when he thinks he's the hero. Yes, that's exactly it, and he's smart enough, obviously, to know like being a supervillain isn't going to work. Yeah. So like when his thing is envy, and his thing is pride. And he's going a little bit above and beyond the the call of morality, but he's 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 a prick because he's insecure. I like those stories, and sometimes that means you know he he you know works with supervillains just whatever. But I don't like him as a straight up bad guy. It's not it's not interesting. Anyway, the, you know regardless. So what you have here is like he's he's really unpleasant, and he's there, but he his he is trying to help. He's not necessarily trying to help for the best reasons, but you know the, he's not he's not trying to thwart everybody, and so. There's that bit, and then really the the emotional you know stunner of this one is that unfortunately the Flash it's Barry right yeah Barry Allen yep. gets infected and that's a big problem right because uh, he he moves quite quickly so Superman has to take him down and you know basically through a great deal of personal pain Superman can't catch him so he goes around the other way and he just runs into him and explodes him which is there's a couple of ways to play this you know there's the Garth Ennis who is my favorite writer in comics, the Garth Ennis way to play it, which would have been the wrong way, you know, which would have been gross and sort of silly. Yeah. And then this where, like, you can see the pain on Superman's face. Trevor Harrison is doing an amazing job with this. He's been great in this book. And Stefano yeah. Guadiana's inks, you can definitely see him in the art, yeah. too. Really yeah, he's great. a pro. Yeah. It's funny because at first I thought maybe this wasn't getting the best sort of treatment in terms of team but now it's like this is a strong team this is doing this is doing really well it is there's gross out stuff in there you got flash's fingers sticking out of superman's abdomen which by the way i'm not exactly sure how that happened magical speed force i don't know speed force isn't magic i don't know man i don't know it's a great moment and i don't want to ruin it, it with- here's what i thought superman is not completely invulnerable you know he is but only up to a point mm-hmm. and when those two objects hit each other with that amount of velocity then it can get him that's sort of what i figured out i like the build in this issue a lot where uh-huh. all the survivors you know gather in a safe where are they they're are they in the fortress the, the fortress of solitude and you really get a sense at the beginning of this like okay the main threat is passed now we rebuild right because it's issue five of six this is the tipping point in the story right so all the survivors have have gathered in fortress of solitude safe from the outbreak of the um the uh, the fucking thing. Techno virus. The, the techno. Um, the anti-life equation. Anti-life equation, which is basically zombieism. And you're like, okay, well, here's where we turn this to tie the story. And then it turns out that Martian Manhunter is infected and he's there invisibly. And then he starts killing people. He kills Lex. And then he scrapes Flash and infects him, which causes Flash to be infected. And then we have the race around the world, and it, which is ironic because this week we also had Superman up in the sky with the Superman Flash race. So we had a lot of that this week. As you said... He can't catch him, so he runs opposite and just flies through him. And that was, I was just like, oh, God. And then, of course, as you said, Flash's fingers are in Superman, so now he's affected. So that leads to the very emotional ending of this book where he says goodbye to everybody and flies into space, hoping to die. Starved himself of oxygen before the virus could take over. And I don't know if that worked or not. I can't tell from that final image. Doesn't look like it. 
which I guess means they're all going to die. And the title of the story is called Hope Lost, so um, <laughs> it may be over for everyone. This was a really terrifically constructed issue. Mm-hmm. Tiny Batman's funny, even though I hate Damien. It's funny. It's why and I think Poison Ivy made a joke. Why, why is there a tiny Batman? You know, <laughs> yeah. it was good. You know, all the pieces are working. I posted that Lex sequence where he collapses to his knees to our Instagram. I thought that, that sequence really got me emotionally, and I would never lobby for anyone to not have a job but i was really hoping tom taylor would get the batman job after this miniseries i think he's shown he's got a spark with dc that a lot of people don't have and if he doesn't get like leveled up at dc to a higher profile book after this something is wrong over there editorially maybe he doesn't want it but assuming he wants it he should definitely i mean he should apparently this book's a hit and so he should if there's any justice in the world, get a bigger, high-profile job and become one of those guys, like a Tom King. I mean, if you can take a tired-ass premise, like zombies took over the world and superheroes have to, like, you can, like, what a lame premise. I, right. We've said that since the beginning. Like, right. I can't, I don't even know why I bought this book. I don't, was it a patron? Why did I start reading this? It might have been. You know, like, nothing. I think it was. I think it was, actually. Yeah. Nothing about the aesthetics of it from an external position would have made me want to read it. But, man, I'm glad I did. This might have been the most successful patron pick because you've picked it twice now as pick of the week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it looks that. terrific. It reads terrific. There's stakes. There's strong emotion. I mean, the end here when Superman says goodbye to Lois and Jonathan and, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. That third panel where he smiles, no pressure. You know, like <laughs> he's got tears going down his face. Dang. I mean, yeah. like that's that's good work. Just yeah. his hair signs, facial expressions on Superman throughout this entire issue have been were fantastic. Yeah. Really, <laughs> the only weird thing is that like fake Wally West is taller than Superman for some reason in this. There was I was like, what's he doing there? Get him out! You you don't have to have him, but maybe he likes him. When he calls him Wally, I'm like, oh man, just just twist the knife and all the Wally fans. <laughs> on page 24, when they're talking to each other after he tells him that Barry's dead, he's he's for some reason John like three inches taller than Superman, which is strange. Superman should always be the tallest superhero in the room, I think. Unless you like elongated men or something, but yeah, this is great. I don't even know what my pick would have been this week, but I would have had a hard time not making it this. Yeah, I, you know, I had others, but this was sort of the one that I was like, oh, this did the most things right, basically. It has great art. It has great emotional beats. It was a well-constructed issue. It flipped the script on you. Mm-hmm. You know, you really can't ask for more out of a single-issue comic than what you got a deceased number five. Now, you might notice that I put the wrong title on the next one. We're not talking about Powers of X. We're talking about House of X. Oh, right. I did did not notice that, but that's fine. Yeah. Well, here you are. (laughs) I posted a panel from this on Instagram and kicked off a debate on our Instagram page. We talked about this with the last issue. This is the final issue of House of X, by the way. So they're bad now, right? The X-Men? They're bad guys? Uh, Well, they're not interested in helping humanity. So from the human perspective, yes. Well, we're humans. So as a human... It opens up where we flash back to the beginning where Professor Xavier puts on that creepy helmet with Magneto and, I guess, Moira McTaggart and announces to the world, hey, we could cure all your diseases and cancer and, and ALS and Alzheimer's. We can do it all. We can slow your aging down. We can make you all pretty. I guess the X-Men's whole thing now is to make everybody young and pretty, which is fine. I mean, I'm all for that. But we're not going to give you any of those drugs, so fuck all you. But we're going to be over here in Krakoa. That's pretty evil, first of all. I know why they're mad at humanity, but the kids with cancer didn't do anything to them. <laughs> I mean, they're going to sell you the drugs at exorbitant prices. And then they create this council. And the council has this weird, creepy, messianic, like, cult-like vibe to it. Yes. We talked about this last issue, too. But this whole thing feels like a cult. You're not wrong. Yeah. It was, I don't know. Is cult the word? Or just, you know, like a fascistic, you know, like, militant power? It's a lot of things, I think. There's a lot of messianic, you know, 
Professor Xavier feels like a cult leader at this point. Mm-hmm. As we talked about last time, no one's questioning any of this. There's an abandonment of sort of traditional moral that, I mean, if you think about it, you know, the, 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 he says it in here, something like we wanted to, you know, help save humanity and in, in that, you know, then we would all learn to live together. But that didn't work. So fuck humanity. Right. And I get that. Yes. That's what's interesting about it. This is, as, as we talked about, you, you were wondering what the story here was. And I figured, I think rightly, this is a setup for. Yeah, that's fairly obvious. The six now. X books that are going to come out of this with the new status quo. And. And it'll certainly be interesting. It's just like I finished reading it and I was like, I didn't, I don't feel good about this. I don't like this at all. Yeah. In an emotional way. Like I liked the story a lot and that's yep. a good reaction to have. And I also, th- I also thought that this council is exceedingly bad at their job. <laughs> they show Go up on. and they're, they're supposed to be creating the, the laws of a mutant kind and they've got no agenda. They've got no experts. They're just yeah. like, should we, should we make a law about economics? Um, okay, his property, is that good or bad? Like It's like every meeting I've ever been to where no one is prepared for it, and it's <laughs> kind of important, you know? Yep. This is one meeting that kind of needed a, a PowerPoint presentation. Like, here's the agenda. Here's what we need to do in this meeting. And more, It's more like, anyone have any more ideas? What should we do? Murder? Is that good? Bad? It's like very casual for such an important discussion. That and a lot of folks on the council just don't really care. They're a little bemused. Apocalypse? I don't know how valuable he's going to be there. It's a ceremonial position. I don't like it. Right. I mean, I, I, I like this a lot. I, again, Pepe Larraz is, is pretty terrific, and it's going to be interesting going forward. I just came out of this feeling like really bad about liking the X-Men, <laughs> like, personally. Not not the book, the characters. That really is the thing, is that, like, it's good. Like, the, the art in both of these books has been fantastic, and they're two artists who I don't really know all that well. Right. And the ideas have been interesting. This one works better for me, the the house as opposed to the yeah. powers. Oh, for sure. Because it's been much it's more rooted in... Yeah, it's grounded now, and it has more personality in it. The other one, I I can't, I don't even, I don't even understand. I like half that book. When it goes to the future, I I check out. Yeah, I read it, but I don't, I don't really absorb it. And this, you know, this does that a little better, you know. But still, you're right. Like at the end, you're like, I, I don't. It is one of those guys. I don't like any of the people anymore. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know who to root for. I don't know. I don't know. If what there I had want. just been one X Men, one who mm-hmm. says. I don't think this is any good. I, I agree with you. I like Just one I really character think, who's like, hmm. I really think that that character would have been Logan. You'd think so. Like that really should have been the thing. Or or even Nightcrawler to a certain extent. You know, but Logan's and, dead, and this is a clone. So who the fuck well, knows or cares? I don't like that either. <laughs> so do we start calling Krakoa Fuck Island? Because... <laughs> His whole their whole thing is we got to make a lot of mutants, and then they show them like all partying, and like Logan's got beer, and he's got his arms around Gene yeah. and Scott. Like they're gonna they're gonna have like a little yeah. French action, and then and, <laughs> and then you know Gene and uh, White Queen, what's her name? Why can't I think of anything today? Uh, Emma. Emma. Emma's looking at Scott. It's just like everyone's partying, and I mean, I feel like that's the whole thing now. Yeah. I mean, they're all young at their they're all at their physical peak, and yeah, that was a nice so. moment, by the way, that bit where you know. Gene walks over. They're kind of not looking at each other. Hands of the beer. They take it. They have a, you know. And then the, the bit after that where, you know, Havoc is sort of hugging Scott. What's funny is that, like, they've just got, like, just cans of beer in six packs. Like, that's what they went for. Not, like. It was a wine. Yeah. For Cohen Ale or something. Just, like, we, we trucked in some fucking silver bullet. Let's do this. It's a Molson. <laughs> Krakoa is the Olympic Village. There you go. That is what it is. 
You, as long as I've known you, you are fascinated by the Olympic Village. <laughs> it's like your platonic ideal of what you want your life to be. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> I actually really love that party sequence. It was a great bit of silent storytelling, even though there was yes. voiceover. It was great. I mean, everything tracked. You, you could tell what every character was thinking. I, I thought it was a really good issue. And I, this would have been another one yes. up there for Pick of the Week. Again, my uh, concern is not for the storytelling or the work. It's the characters, which is, again, a good thing. Mm-hmm. It should make me care. Now I, I do care about this. Like, why, why is this happening? Who's going to fix this? Because we can't go on like this. This is this is crazy. No. And further, this will, at the end of it, be one of those things that they are going to just have to forget about and ignore. Or they'll be dealing with it for the rest of time. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. Which is, you know, eventually. But that's all of it. Legion of Superheroes Millennium number two was the pick of the week. Then the first issue came out. Yep. I liked this one, but I wasn't like it wasn't the same. It was uh, funny. Sort of it was fun. I liked the Booster Gold reveal that Rose was talking to Booster in the future. And she gives him the idea to go back in time. Mm-hmm. I also like that basically in the future we have this, you know, muse- it's called Space Museum, but it's all about the superheroes. It's all basically classic DC in the background. So again, a lot of confusion at DC about what's what. Great art in this issue. Nicola Scott did the Booster Gold story. Jim Chung's terrific OMAC story. And Ryan Sook, who I guess is supposed to be the regular artist in the Legion book, who will probably do two issues, if that, mm-hmm. did the lead-in story to the Legion of Superheroes book, which I'm very excited for, against all odds. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really good things in there. I, it's funny, because I, I feel like maybe Bendis is the person who brought the multiple artists to a to a, a single issue like he gets all of his really good artist friends to do one and, and i don't really like it as a concept it's nice like it's it's like wow i get to see all these guys or whatever but i find it it's jarring it doesn't lend itself to a continuity i was just thinking about that as i was sort of reading through this this is a weird miniseries to I mean on, yes. on its face it doesn't much like how house of x and powers of x, it's, it serves to set up another book which is fine like Legion is not a Legion has its very passionate fans, but it's not a mm-hmm. it's not it's not a book that a lot of people know about, especially these days. It hasn't been around for a while, yeah. so like a little primer mini series, two issues to lead into the main series is I don't necessarily disagree with that. I still don't understand what Rose's role well, is. That's what, we'll she's get, a weird anchor for that. If yeah. they're trying to introduce people, is I mean I, I get that that's a way to build her up, but it, it's you know it it is a harder time locking you into you know like well here's what this is. Right, I think because you don't know her, but it's, she's interesting. It's not bad. If you could go to a museum and sit at the table with the Justice Society, we would all do that. Yeah, I mean, like if you like, right, if like you had the choice of doing that or sitting in the Millennium Falcon, like you'd have to think about it. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I would have to think about it. <laughs> this is good. This was this was another good one. This is like one of those four star ones you talked about earlier. Like, yeah, solid. I liked it. Wouldn't have been the pick, but I I, I enjoyed it. How- how many books is Bendis doing right now? A lot. It's, like, it's a lot. I was I was looking at this one, and then you get the two Superman titles, and then we get down. There's another one later in the in the. I was like, "Geez, dude!" And it's funny because he had just finished all those uh, you know creator owned ones, and they all yeah. sort of wrapped up. But I assume that those are getting worked on too. I, I mean, this is this is an output. Well, you know, we, we know he's he's a very fast writer. That's true. And he writes way ahead. He was years ahead on Ultimate Spider-Man for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. He's an output machine. <laughs> an output machine. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about Runaways, number 25. 25 issues of this run, uh, written by Rainbow Roll. And 
I really enjoyed it the whole way through. I, uh, and I, I remember like a long time ago, God, I think I don't know if Ron was still on the show when the first one came out and neither of you guys liked it so you didn't read it. Is it monthly? It's got to be monthly. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, so. it's been a – not a consistent artist, but I think there's been a couple. It is monthly. Is this the final issue? No, but it is – it's a part one. You're, you're just talking about it like a, like a eulogy. So I have to to well, no, the, the point is, is that they've been living in this sort of underground bunker in Los Angeles. And the last issue, Carolina and um, Magic Girl decided to be superheroes. So they like came up with costumes and, and went out. And here they met this weird superhero called Doc Justice in this one. And it was kind of funny. And the result of that is that all this construction has showed up outside of their like – their underground lair, and and it's because like she was spotted and she like she like Caroline is getting more famous and like people are taking videos of her and putting them on the internet so there's interest in her and they basically like that clued people off to come you know to that area and, and start to dig or whatever, but uh, they have to leave, mm-hmm. and so this issue marks an end of this part of it like we were getting comfortable in this place but they're runaways you got to keep moving you got to stay on the move and that's what they chose to do at the end of this there's been a lot of character development there's been a lot of changes to the people in the middle of it you've still got this young gibberum or gibberum god that's sort of not evil but hanging out with him and really he's and he, whenever they go to him he just looks sad because he's hungry for souls and he can't get any and he's like and they keep trying to give him other food and he's like i hunger and he's very sad and and it's it's been really fun and I, I think totally I've said this before, but totally in the spirit of the older books, but almost a little sillier, I guess a little more modern Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'd say anything, but not in an irritating way. And the art has been great. Most of it's Chris Anka, but this one's uh, Andre Genolet, whoever that is. You know, very consistent sort of look throughout the whole thing. It, it really, it's it's been a treat. It's been one of my favorite Marvel series for the longest time now. Oh, that's good. I really look forward to it when I see there's a new issue of it. Um, and it's good. Like, it's, oh, this is time to shake things up and move them around because it was maybe getting a little complacent in that way. Cool. I'm wearing Mac Weldon right now. I wore it yesterday. What we've got going on here uh, in the Northeast is fall. Oh. Yeah, fall. So you're not even talking about underwear. Although I did wear the sweatpants. We had like a kiss of fall here in Los Angeles. Like mm-hmm. a brief sojourn into like the upper 60s in the evening. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ooh, sweatpants. Yeah. That was uh, a great moment. I put my Mac Weldon sweatpants on. What you're getting here is it's cool, mm-hmm. but as soon as you start moving around, it's sweaty. Hmm. And I've been having problems with this. And it turned out that this morning, the absolute right choice was my Mac Weldon A sweatpant. Right. Long, I went on a three and a half mile dog walk. You know, like she's, I got a new dog and she's, she's uh, active. Mm-hmm. She's always like, why can't you run more? And I'm like, I- <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> but you know, this morning that was exactly the right thing to be doing. It kept me warm. Once I got moving, I was good. And uh, as you know, you are very, very comfortable. Yes. Yeah. There's not bunching. It's a nice fabric. I got some pockets I need to deal with. It's all good stuff. So that's what I'm saying. What about Mack Weldon, by the way? It's a premium men's essentials brand. They believe in smart design and premium fabrics. You cannot undersell those two things, by the way. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Except for me currently, who is wearing it. So that's – I'm good. I'm at stasis. I'm at a good place to be. They believe in, in those things as well as simple shopping. Um, you know, the, the, the website, it's a good website. works well. It, it's not hard to find what you need. Uh, there's sort of good pictures and descriptions and all sorts of stuff. And, and the, you know, the best part is if you don't like something, 
if you get your first pair of underwear, you can keep it, but they'll refund you if you don't like it. Right. But it's not just the underwear. There is uh, socks, there's shirts, under undershirts, hoodies. I, I gotta get me one of them hoodies, dude. Yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. There's. I don't see how I can't. I'm a hoodie man. I'm a hoodie man. Mac Weldon's premium fabrics mean it's got to be very comfortable. Yeah, that's right. It's gonna be touching me in, in all the good ways. Sweatpants and of course the uh, there's also the radius pant, which I've been using uh, as this weather has gone up and down as well. Good stuff. It's all comfortable and wonderful, and you'll dig all of it. There's the silver underwear and shirts. We were just talking about how mm-hmm. maybe it seems like it's cool, but then all of a sudden you become a sweaty mess. That's where your silver underwear, your antimicrobial stuff, they eliminate odor. They they wick these mm-hmm. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's gonna come in handy at this point of the year. So get that stuff. You know, it, it's good for working out. It's good for working in the yard. There's a lot of fall yard care that should be taken care of right now in a perfect world. <laughs> then underneath, you can you can take those shirts, that underwear. You can wear those on a date because the fact is this. If all that comes off and you're left standing there in a pair of Mack Weldon underwears, that's not going to be embarrassing. No. It's not going to be those ratty, old, torn, Joaquin Phoenix Joker underwear. It's not going to be that. It's going to. It's much, much better than that. <laughs> See, if he'd had Mac Weldon, he would have avoided all that problems. He would have been fine. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. He would have had a much better life, and then he would never have had all the murder. So here's how this works. <laughs> that was a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Go to MacWeldon.com. You enter the promo code iFanboy. You get 20% off your first order. We say these things with complete sincerity. So mm-hmm. get over there. Do that thing. Uh, we're big fans of the product, and we're really proud that they actually keep coming back to advertise with us. So awesome. Thank you to them, and, and go get some of that stuff. You'll like it. Young Justice number nine, this is Bendis and Andre Lima Rajo, who we like a lot, that does the opening sequence, and then John Timms, the regular artist, does more. Two things about this book. Well, number one, it featured something I didn't think I'd see in a DC book, a recap page. That is the power of Bendis. I was like, is he going to say nipples? <laughs> no. The power Did of you? Bendis gets you a recap page in a DC book, which is pretty amazing. Is that like, do they never do that? Yeah, remember we, we used to see Dan Didier at cons say they would prefer you read the other issues instead of having a recap page? I kind of remember that, but I'd forgotten it. But I guess, yeah, yeah I guess right. So here we get to while the Young Justice team is on that other Earth fighting their doppelgangers, we get the origin of Teen Lantern. How is it that she's a Green Lantern we've never heard of it on, on Earth? It's because she's from Brazil, and while scavenging a landfill for superhero artifacts to sell... She comes across a sort of Green Lantern who has this device, a backpack, and a giant glove, which is what she wears. And it turns out it's a, not truly a Green Lantern, a Green Lantern ring. It's a device this guy came up with to hack the Green Lanterns. So he's, like, siphoning the power illegally. And he gets murdered in Brazil, and she, so she ends up with the device. And that's how she's Teen Lantern, is, is she has this device that's basically hacking the power battery. Hmm. So she's technically a Green Lantern because she has the power, but she's not part of the core. That's going to lead to to conflict. Yes, you know what else I thought of was, was it last week's the email about Bendis creating more characters mm-hmm. for DC? This is another one. This is another yeah. young, racially diverse character that he's created, along with Ginny Hex and others. But So Teen Lantern's another new character he's brought in. Actually, he's he brought more into DC than I realized when I talked about it last week. Yeah. This has been fun, and again, we have... You know, more hints about other things going on in the universe that they've forgotten about. Because, again, they have they don't know why they know each other. They shouldn't have all these shared memories and everything. So that's continued to be teased. And along with In Lois Lane number 4 by Greg Ruck and Mike Perkins. Mike Perkins. Mike Perkins. Mike Perkins. I can't read his name without hearing that in my head. I wrote it on the script and I literally said, like, Mike Perkins. I said it out loud. Couldn't help it. Something I didn't expect to read in a DC comic or any comic was a flashback to 52. Was that in here? Yeah. I'm trying to. 
I mean, he wrote it, so co-wrote it. When the two questions were having lunch at a diner, right. his last memory was him dying in a sled as she pulled him to Nanda Parbat, and that happened way back in 52, which was like 10 years ago. See, I, I caught that. I was like, oh, well, that did happen. That was him. I don't think I, I put together where, where it happened, but yeah, you're right. So again, more, more confusion with the DC timeline. I mean, I get it's all part of the same timeline. I love the fact that all of the characters are like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like, it's, it's it's validating to the re- Yeah, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, make up your goddamn mind. I'm still enjoying this miniseries, but that was the mo- thing that stood out with me the most. And also, there was a Leviathan bit here where this crazy woman kills herself. And, and on the floor, she has written all these incantations. And one of them says Leviathan. And they put a helpful little box around it so we don't miss it. It's nice. That's good storytelling. I thought this was a really good issue. I think this is a really good miniseries. Yep, it's been fun. Yeah. I could watch the two questions have a little lunch with each other, you know, a little awkward sort of reunion that they don't really know why is happening for a while more. That's good stuff. Renee quit the force, she says here. Oh. She turned in her badge. It just occurred to me that that's Greg Rucker writing Renee Montoya, who he created and put in. Well, he didn't create her. She was in the cartoon. Oh, yeah. Well, either way. You know what I mean? But I mean, he formed that character in a comic book form. Yes, so. yes, yes, yes. I must thank you for making me read Old Man Quill. Awesome. And also, I should never not trust Ethan Sachs to write an old man book again. Because uh, originally, I read the first issue of this, and I was like, eh. But then you convinced me, and I went back and I read all the issues. This is issue 10. And this book is just so goddamn delightful. It, it came, it totally, like, a little slow start. Because, you know, we don't know. We've been fooled before. I understand your reticence. There's a lot of other books. But I was like, oh, no, he's got it. He's, he's pulling it all together. He's doing the thing. And then, you know, frosting on top of that one. <laughs> Guess who shows up? Kang. Kang is in the house, and it is some quality, choice, unfiltered Kang dialogue. Well, we should have known once the time travel element got introduced that Kang would appear. Yep. I think my, part of my reticence was, and this is, there's no no slight on Javier Pina, who's a solid artist, but he wasn't Michael Cicchetto. So no. I was like, uh. And Daredevil that came out this week, I was just like, wow, this Marco Cicchetto guy is great. <laughs> so... Um, I think that was part of it, but he does a fine job here, and, and I, I like the story, and, and now we're involved in wacky time. This is this, we often say the phrase, this feels like a Marvel comic, and this, feel, this yeah. feels like a Marvel comic in the best way. It's just, yeah. there's time travel, there's the Fantastic Four, there's Kang, there's Kang cutting off Reed Richards' hand, uh, there's Herbie robots, <laughs> there's, there's two Herbie robots. This is a sad Herbie. <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. And now yeah. Quill is stuck in the past, because Herbie got exploded, and that's how he time traveled, and so Doctor Doom's going to show up. You know, if they want to keep letting him have these little explorations into the old man world, mm-hmm. it's the same as deceased. It's basically yeah. an Elseworlds story. So have at it. Let him keep doing yeah. it. He's very good at I'm it. I'm glad. Yeah. Glad to hear that. That's awesome. I really um, like it. It's been fun. I've really been enjoying Doctor Strange lately. And it has occurred to me that for most of our adult lives, you know, the, the thing was always that comic creators always said, oh, the one character I really want to work on is Doctor Strange. But there really hasn't been a very long, do- long-lived long Doctor Strange series, except now. There were 20 issues into this one. Mm-hmm. Before this, we had, I think they rebooted, because then Jason Aaron had done it, and then yep. um, Donny Cates did it for a, a little while. Yep. And that was, all that's more than 20 issues. So it must have restarted at some point there. Yep. This Mark Wade arc that is going on has had great art in it javier pina was this one and, and jesus saiz was on the last uh, couple i think they alternate the first arc i didn't love but it was definitely dealing with a little bit about the disappearance of magic mm-hmm. but since then they got back from there and i think that set up a lot of things that are fun to go through right now in the last issue dr strange got his hands back mm. there was a car accident 
and a little girl was hurt and she needed surgery right then. And so he he went to sort of this co- – this was last issue. He went to this cosmic bargainer kind of thing. You know, it was like – Here's the spells. You got a 50-50 chance. You can either use your hands or you can lose your connection with magic. Mm-hmm. And so he takes the chance and he saves the girl or whatever. So now we have the Doctor Strange who's come back and he's got his groove back a little bit. He wants to be a surgeon because it's like his favorite thing to do. And it's creating a conflict because mm-hmm. for one thing, uh, he's supposed to be saving millions of people, not one at a time. Right. And two. Or billions. He's the protector of the entire yeah, yeah, planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dimension, I believe, is how they phrased it. Um, and then two is that he, he's been out of the game for a while and he's got to learn a lot of stuff because <laughs> things have changed since then. And so, like, his quest is to find somebody who can sort of download all that information to him immediately because he sucks at the Internet. That's <laughs> what happens. But it's been, it's, you know, it's been very marvelly, And yeah. I really uh, – it's, it's been fun. And I think, you know, the, the changing outfits not aside, um, it's it's – They've really finally got a handle on Doctor Strange and who it is, and I, I think Mark Wade's a really good guy to do it. He's been doing surprising things. I mean, I'm not reading this, but I did read Jason Aaron and Donna Cates. It's been a solid couple of years on Doctor Strange books, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's fun. So those are the books we're going to talk about. There's also uh, the patron pick, patreon.com slash ifanboys, where our patrons, all the patrons, can vote to add a book to the rundown. I would just like to clarify, this is not necessarily... People can vote however they want, but it's often said this is a book that they want us to read, but it's, it can just be a book you want to make sure we talk about, too. That's also a use of the patron pick. It's just a book to add to the rundown. And it's true. There have been books that everybody thought was a big deal. We didn't talk about them. We don't talk about every issue of Batman because right. four have come out since we started this show. <laughs> so this week's winner was Strange Skies over East Berlin, number one, from Boom Studios. It's a four-issue miniseries written by Jeff Lubness with art by Lissandro Estaterin. Nice. I think you did a good job. Patricia, Patricio, oh, Patricio. That's not Patricio del Pesce. Was on colors and Steve Wands on letters. Patrick of the Fish. And this is a uh, Boom Studios book that takes place in 1973 in, in East Berlin. As people know, this is when Berlin was still split in half by the Berlin Wall. The east side was controlled by the Soviets. The west side was controlled by the Western governments and led by the United States. You had a very hard time for people living there. The Stasi ran everything. The German secret police and the Soviets ran the Stasi. And, and it was a hard time to be living in Berlin. A lot of spies and bad business. Bad business. So Rough place. I'm curious what you thought of this book. So at first, what movie am I thinking of that we're relatively recently? Bridge of Spies. That's probably it. Bridge of Spies. There's also another there's a foreign movie, this German movie about a, a like a Stasi like listener, one of those guys who mm, listens. You can't think about it. It was really good. It won like Academy Awards or something. That's a great like that. title. One of those guys who listens. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So right away, as we started off, I thought, ooh. And I really, I dug the art. It didn't look like any other books. I liked the art a lot, yeah. It was good art. It was expressive comic book art, the kind you don't necessarily see very often in the big two stuff. I did know that as we called the thing Strange Skies over East Berlin, and there's a some sort of sighting in the air that there would be a supernatural or alien element to it. And a little part of me was like, do we have to do this? <laughs> but... The exception to that, uh, as as evidenced by the pick of the week this week, um, is that you know when done well, it's not necessarily uh, a bad thing. But I would have been plenty interested in this guy who helps ferry people across, you know, but is also a plant in the, the East German spy organization. Yeah, the main character is he's a Stasi agent. He's a colonel. Something he's I think, he's yeah. pretty high up in the Stasi, but he's also a double agent. He is a spy for the U.S. side. 
So the first thing you see is him trying to help some people get over the wall so they can get to West Berlin. It doesn't go well, but he's so destroyed that he's like, nah, we saw that coming. <laughs> and then you see a big flash of light in the sky, unlike anything. And they, you know, and he literally says, at first I thought it was the bomb and I was relieved. <laughs> and I was like, damn, that's, that's some dark shit, dude. <laughs> that's the only reason why he gets away from the whole thing is because everyone's distracted by this light sky, so he's able yeah. to escape. Which is Yeah, they thing. almost made him. Yeah. Because was it Reiser, Reich, whatever his name is? Kiner. Kiner. Yeah, the really scary other German guy who he's sure is going to be the one who catches him. But the, his contact from the West says, no, no, you got to f- go find out what this thing is. So he, you know, finds his way into the Soviet underground bunker where they know answers. His job is there to go interrogate this Russian soldier who, uh, like in the Garth Ennis book uh, you just read, had seen something in there that messed him up. It's important to note that Margot Martindale is running the bunker. <laughs> Yes, she is. She, it looks exactly like her and talks exactly like her from the Americans. And then some supernatural shit goes down. And I and that was when I was like, ah, ah. I, I don't right, – we talk about uh, supernatural stuff. But I especially – there's a kind of alien possession mm-hmm. type of horror that I don't like at all. Well, you know, our, our, our pet team, because we're old and obstinate, is when they have – Add supernatural to to historical oh. stories to get them published, and I understand. I understand why. I'm not stupid. It's I don't. Move. I, I well, it's just it's Boom's not going to publish a four issue miniseries about a, about a, the Stasi. They're just not. No, it's not their business model. And I get it. No one's no one but Josh and I is going to read them, so that's fine. I mean, they weren't rushing to do that next American Revolutionary War series. <laughs> right. It's just Connor and I, but yeah. As you said, this, you know, it can still be entertaining. I thought this was good. The only problem I had really yeah. was at the end when the guy who is being interrogated, you know, starts freaking out and his his eyes start bleeding. And then the, the stuff comes out of his eyes, ears, mouth, and head. I thought it was like light, but it looks like it's tentacles. Storytelling-wise, I was confused because I thought it was light coming out of his head, and then he falls over, and he just, it looks like it's tentacles. I don't know. what. I did, so I couldn't tell what exactly was happening to him. I feel like it's just lighter energy. Uh, maybe. It's hard to say. And then the other guy has a vision of his – I can't tell if it's his daughter or wife. I thought it was his daughter in the first flashback, and then I That's probably girlfriend like, or wife. Yeah. yeah. That be All that being said, you know, like you, I, I liked it. Now you've got like a locked room thing because yep. the Stasi guy's oh, yeah. there. His nemesis shows up to run the whole – Inspector Kiner. Kiner could not be more arch-German villain. He's dressed like a Nazi too. But you would think Inspector wouldn't trump Colonel, but then I'm not totally up on the Stasi hierarchy. Yeah. So you've got this locked room. They're all they're on this lockdown bun- Soviet bunker. The two Stasis, one who's, one who's a double agent. Then you've got Margot Martindale's head of the Russian bunker, and they're in there with us to the alien. I liked it. I mean, I liked the art a lot. I liked the story, even though it had the supernatural element to it. Yep. I liked it. I was like, well done, patrons. I enjoyed it. I don't know that I'd seen it. Also, well done, Boom. Mm-hmm. There was a while there where I really did want to be getting into their stuff, but there was so much of it I just was not interested in. And this is much more. They have found a very successful business model in doing YA comics. Yeah. So that's their primary. At least that's yeah. my really talk, talk to them, and that's fine. But every once in a while, they do interesting stuff like this. And the film that I was talking about, by the way, is called The Lives of Others uh, from 2006. Your title um, was better. Yeah. One of those the guys, guys who listen. listen. Those guys who listen. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not joking. I like that title. And I appreciate it. Or The Guys Who Listen is a great title, actually. Yeah. <laughs> guys Who Listen are a rarity. <laughs> so, patron pick. Let's do ratings on the patron pick out of five ratings. I'm going to give it a f- f- four. Four. 
And are you going to stick with it? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, they did the, what was that? The Ghost Tree one. That was also Boom, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I really loved that. The Kieran Gillen one is getting a lot of buzz. I'm going to catch up on that one. The modern day King Arthur one with the guy who drew Klaus. I had meant to read that and then didn't. Well, we'll talk about that after the show. Once in the future. Fine. It's called Once in the Future. So that's the Patreon pick. Patreon.com slash fanboys where they went and voted. That's where you can go help out the show. Become a patron. You get all kinds of benefits. You get to vote in the patron pick. You get to be involved in the patron hangout. We had that last weekend. We got a special guest in the patron hangout. You'll never know who it was unless you were there. Well, you'll just never know. And then again, people who were there may not have known. So you get to have that. You get to have the patron group where there's a very active community of people, especially in the Facebook group. All kinds of benefits. You get to unlock shows like the books blow and the talks blow. And if we hit our next stretch goal, which we're, which we're closer than ever to, we will unlock the non-comics media podcast, which we'll do once a month. And we'll unlock adding the video shows and the mini store YouTube channel and re-embedding on the website. People have asked us if we're going to do a show on The Irishman. And the answer is no, unless we unlock the non-comics media show, then maybe we'll do a show for that. But that wouldn't be a show we do otherwise. Well, we might do a show, but except it wouldn't be a show. It would just be us talking about right, it. Right, right. But that would just be for us. It's not within not. the milieu of comics, but if we unlock that non-comics media podcast, then that would be something that would be appropriate. So we'll see how that goes the next month or so. Also, ifanboy.threadless.com. That's where you can get our t-shirts. Ifanboy logo, Herm. Pick a league podcast, ratings of one is electro, GDAT, and nothing makes sense, nothing matters is the shirt designs you can get and ifanboy.com slash support that's where you can help us out directly via paypal which some of you do and thank you for that and also ifanboy.com slash amazon that's you can buy uh, the books we talked about for the books blow as well as general link to amazon is there and we thank everyone who does all those things to help ifanboy we do appreciate it that's how the show keeps going it wouldn't happen without you so we thank you it wouldn't another patron benefit is the patron power if you give it the five dollar higher level you get your own patron power Live on the show. Sometimes we're prepared, sometimes not. Last week, Josh was not prepared. It went okay, though. Yeah. Are you prepared this week? Let's see. John Timothy Watt. Mm-hmm. He's very valued in the entertainment circles. Uh-oh. That's because he has an uncanny preternatural ability to be able to tell if you remake a property whether or not it will be successful. Only a remake. Yeah, only a remake. So they would come to him and say, we were thinking about relaunching... Uh, lost in space with Will Ferrell, and you go. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. What if we do this really cool series at Netflix? And you'd be like, that could work, but you probably won't get a second season. <laughs> I say that's too bad. He's a remake and reboot psychic. Yeah, I, I guess to, you know. I, I, yeah, I, I would. I would put it that way. So it's, it's as specific as seasons and things. So he more than just yeah, good idea or bad idea. It's like. I mean, that was a joke I was making. I actually think that 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 would not work that way because he would just say, you know, this isn't going to catch on Mm. or no, there, there, there's benefits to doing this will work too. But I don't think wouldn't tell you to what extent he would just, he would just be able to read the zeitgeist as it were and say, this is, this is, this is the time for that question. Do the people at Warner brothers have his phone number? Because, well, the great irony is that none of them will listen to him. <laughs> and so, you know, same old, same old, you know, he was just shouting at his TV like, don't remake Psycho! <laughs> don't do it! And he was 12 at the time. He was very confused. Eric Seals. Eric Seals has total control over the light in any room he's in. Okay. So what that means is he can make the room completely black he can make extremely bright he controls the ambient light in any room he's in so there's never a problem with light noise you know 
A, there's you, uh, there's a glare problem right away you're fixing. Right. B, this morning uh, my son woke up a little late, which is a gift, except on a school day when it's not. And I was trying to figure out a way that I could see well enough to get the clothes, but I didn't want to do the whole blinding thing. And I, I had a lot of trouble with it. And I think that he would have been very helpful right there. Yeah, he, can just, he can just raise the light level just enough where you can yeah. see, but not enough where you're going to wake people up. Still, I, I don't want him to be in my son's room early in the morning. Well, that's, I mean, you know. Eric, how are you doing? <laughs> Good morning, Eric. James Thomas has skin which is impervious to any kind of friction that would damage it. He can still feel. He has sensation. Mm-hmm. But let's say, oh, I don't know, the tops of his thighs <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, his armpit. Yeah. Or uh, ingrown hairs. Sure. Ooh. All Ooh. of those things are not a problem for James Thomas because That's his terrific. skin is impervious to any sort of damaging friction. Road rash. As a bearded American, I uh, I find uh-huh. that would be a very useful power. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, he can still feel a nice light breeze and, and delight in it or a tickling sensation. These are all these are all wonderful things. But but the damage, not so much. Jason Donahue can eat all of the donuts and feel none of the negative effects. Did you choose that because his name is slightly donut-like? <laughs> no, I just really want to eat a donut. He um, he can he can enjoy all the delicious flavors and textures of the donut, but he feels no negative. There's no problem with the sugar or the or the dough or the carbs. So he doesn't get the crash either. No, because that is the thing about a donut. In the morning, you're like, I'm gonna. Have he a donut. only gets the positive donut effects, and this is only for donuts. So like other foods, he obviously has to be careful and watch what he eats. So, but for donuts, he can eat them all day long, no problem. So I think that that would leave us to have to define donut. Okay. Remember there was the oft there was the uh, there was the popularized but now pretty much gone cronut. That's still I think I think that's a donut. It's dough with sugar. Dough with sugar. So be, I mean, it has to be fried. Yes. You have to fry it. Is there a side? You have mini donuts. There's donut holes. Does yeah. it, it must apply to donut holes? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Does he get nutrition from them, or does he have to eat something else to feel like he's eating something? He gets the positive benefits, but not the negative. I mean, he can't survive on donuts alone. There's not the protein and things like Men that. Men cannot survive on Men donuts. Men cannot survive on donuts alone without protein and all, all the other things you need in your diet. But uh-huh. he, he just he gets the delicious flavor and satisfaction. Right. And he does feel better about the world of life after having had donuts, like all people who have had donuts. Can he, can he eat an unlimited quantity of donuts? I mean, he can. He, he, he doesn't gain weight from them or feel any negative effects. So he could, theoretically. But also... You get sick of donuts. Like that's that. what I mean. You have to be careful because, like anything, if you eat too much of a good thing, is that a negative effect? That's a psychological effect. That's just like okay, oh, you know, donut. But he could, you know, every morning, a couple donuts, no big deal. I think that the internet and comic books, Joe Caramagna, actually has that power. <laughs> Damn. He him. talks about donuts a lot. He's constantly seemed to be eating them. Yet he's a very trim, middle-aged man. Well, there you go. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go at the $5 or higher level. You can get your own superpower live on the show. So we thank everyone who does that over at Patreon.com. Do we have time for one email, Josh? I believe we do, yeah. It's going well so far. You choose. Uh, The first one we've talked about a lot. So let's do Zach's. Zach says, I've been thinking about this for a year or so since I read The Human Race, where Wally West raced Crackle and ended up running faster than the instant transmission of the villain gamblers. What are your favorite Flash stories, Barry or Wally? Separately, what are your favorite Flash moments? Uh, my favorite Flash story is the return of Barry Allen, I think. 
interesting that this question came up this week with, again, Superman up in the air when the Flash Superman race, because one of my favorite Flash moments is in the Flash Rebirth where they're running together and Superman says, hey, I used to win some of those races. And Barry's like, those were for charity and it takes off and just Mm -hmm. leaves Superman in the dust. That was one of my favorite moments because he should be the fastest man alive. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. be... It shouldn't be a contest. Like, no one should be faster than The Flash. I love that moment where he just leaves Superman in the dust at, when, when it wasn't for charity. I mean, I've read a lot of Flash books, and that sticks out in my mind. Nice. I like that. And it's funny. I don't think we've ever answered this question before. I am not a massive Flash fan, so I don't know that I have enough to sort of go on. But I can tell you the things that make me think of that. The first thing that came to mind is New Frontier. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're sort of meeting a, a nascent uh, Barry Allen and he's running around Las Vegas to try to find bits of yep. a bomb yep. to save Iris and then sort of gets whipped up into this big thing where, you know, he feels like he's overmatched a little bit. Has to save the day at the end with that machine. Yep. Yeah. And it, which is, you know, it echoes Crisis on Infinite Earths. I like that. I, for some reason, it really sticks with me when I first started reading comics again and I was buying The Flash. This is just before Mark Wade took over. I think it was Mark Miller writing. And there was a Black Flash storyline where he had to run faster than death basically to save everybody and at that point they had built up a really strong and fun flash family yes max mercury and bart allen and jesse quick yep yep i really liked that era that's a great era it's a really really great era the flash family from that 90s 2000s era was terrific and as i think he's talking about the return of barry allen from that era when when, you know barry would occasionally return in those comics even though he wasn't supposed to be back right and whenever he did show up in those books it was always a big deal and always really great jla year one has great flash in it i was thinking of that too jla has great flash in it what am i thinking i'm thinking of something oh i mean you mentioned crisis from earth says you know this is the classic barry allen sacrifice story that's a great that's a great story too even though he's not in a ton but when he when he is in it it's very impactful and that you know like barry allen dies in that and it it stuck for a good long while 30 years yeah no 80 what was that 86 is that 86 yeah so 86 to, you know, when, 2000, when did Flash Rebirth happen? 10 and 9? Don't ask, I was still don't ask these questions. 8 or 9. 25 years. It's a long time. Yeah. 20 years plus. Flash is a great character. You know, you can go outside of the comics. You know, the, I think the TV show is terrific. He's had great moments in the cartoons, especially in the Justice League Unlimited at the end. He's one of our favorite characters. He, you know, our old co-host Ron's favorite DC character is the Flash. There are nothing but endless amount of great Flash stories out there. <laughs> I was thinking, he, Ron used to always wear a Flash shirt in college, <laughs> and I think the moment that I, the moment that I was endeared to him forever, he was just like we were starting to rush somewhere, and he goes, "I'm too fat to run," and he was in a Flash shirt, and it was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. So uh, that's Josh's favorite Flash story. Yeah, it is, I think. That was a fun question to think about. There's a lot of great Flash stories out there. Yeah. Brad uh, from Exeter, California says he's <laughs> Both of these just told it. They started off with telling us how long they've been thinking about it. And I just love that that's still a thing. I love it so much because we haven't even made the joke in years. Yeah. And it just carries on its own now. And people don't even know why they're doing it. I love it. I've been thinking about this question since last weekend. No shame, buddy. Just be honest. That's all that matters. I just finished Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, and I really like when Constantine shows up. What are the best Hellblazer comics? And we've talked about this a lot, but it's been a little while. There hasn't been a, well, you know, if, a Hellblazer. If that patron goal is met, you can re-upload all the old minis. You, you did a fanboy mini on this very topic. People who don't know was the uh, our daily short-form yeah. video show for a whole year. And one of the shows Josh did was the best 
Hellblazer stories. Sitting on a bench in the park with shorts on. That's, That's right. If I remember correctly. I, I think I shot that one. You did, yeah. You know, bar none, the best Flash stories are uh, the Garth Hellblazer, Ennis. Hellblazer. I'm sorry, <laughs> Flash. The best Hellblazer stories are the Garth Ennis, Steve Dillon run uh, that they did on Hellblazer for a while. There's a lot of really good stuff in there, though. Mike Carey did a great run. Andy Diggle did a great run. I don't particularly love the Jamie Delano runs, but if you liked how he was in Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, that version is probably the closest. So that's the sort of earliest part mm-hmm. of The Flash. Jesus. Hellblazer. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> they're not at all similar. No. In, in, well, they're blonde. They're blonde yeah, men. That's true. Actually, your, they kind of do look alike. Your favorite character. Yep. I'd go with that, though. I mean, that, that Garth Ennis stuff is, it's basically was done slightly before and then concurrently with Preacher before Steve Dillon went over to work on that. And, you know, it's some of the best character work I've ever read in comics. If you want the more sort of gothic-y horror stuff, then the Delano stuff is really good. Paul Jenkins did a great run in there. It's all pretty darn good. That book has been over for a while. It's been a long time, yeah. That last, the, the sort of whole last chunk of it by, with Andy Diggle and Giuseppe Camicoli uh, was really good. And then it ended it. I think it's 300. Yeah, 300. Long run. Long, long run. Yeah, that's my favorite stuff. All right. So thank you. Contact fanboy.com. That's where Zach and Brad wrote in. We thank everyone who does that. We got a lot of good emails this week. We have special edition podcasts. You can go listen to them. They're made possible by the patrons. Uh, we just released a Booksplode, which is our... our uh, we, we look graphic, in depth at a, a graphic novel or a book or OGN or something like that. Um, we did Sleeper, book one, chronicling... A very, 15, uh, 16 issues of Ed Brubaker and uh, mostly Sean Phillips, which is just this great Wildstorm spy villain story that sort of cemented uh, their relationship as collaborators. And Connor and I talk about it. Spoiler, we really like it. Um, you can also still find the last talk split I did with Brad Meltzer, where I talked to him about his life uh, in comics and his, uh, his love of comics and superheroes. Um, and that's really fun, too. Also out on the feed is our show on Joker, the Todd Phillips, Joaquin Phoenix starring film. That will be right behind this show on the feed. You can find that. Me and Josh and Mike Romo talked about the film. Did we like it? Did we not like it? We don't know yet because we haven't recorded it. But <gasps> it'll be behind the sh- this show on the feed. We're Production re- secrets. We'll be recording it right after this. So you'll find out what we thought of Joker there. And you can talk about it on iFanboy.com, obviously. And on coming soon, later this month, I believe at the end, very end of the month, will be Wonder Woman Bloodline, the uh, latest animated film from DC. And there's only a couple of shows left this year. I, lo- I was looking at the calendar. I think there's only, um, like, we have one more Talksplode, one more Booksplode, and one more special edition show after all these come out. If I can get one in December, which has always been problematic historically, but I could have two more. We'll see. But that's that's what we got looking at the calendar. Head over to fanboy.com to find all of our podcasts. The ones we just mentioned, they're all there. You can find all of our old shows, all of our old content. It's all out of fanboy.com. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following us at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboycomics on Instagram where you can find out the book but also see our best that we can panels feature and random shit we put up there. And uh, individually at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like this show, what you should be doing is leaving a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever else does that. But that's really the main one. Leave a rating. That really helps our algorithm so that – honestly, so that we can remain the number one comic book podcast And for the last – not 14 years? It's a long time. But we're really, 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 really proud of that. And uh, so anything you do to keep that going we would is just good for our – uh, healthy egos because the fact is if we fall number two we might quit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You might. <laughs> Fine. You're going to do it on your own. <laughs> Better yet, though, uh, you know, tell people about it. Be direct. If anybody asks, hey, what's a good podcast? Uh, we always appreciate it when people uh, suggest us. Um, and, and we always like seeing that makes us feel good. So for sure. Uh, and that works for any other podcast you like. In fact, if there's a podcast that you like that hasn't been around so long, maybe is, is looking for more audience or something like that, that really helps them out. So, so do that for them as well. If you can think of your favorite podcasts. Yep. Same thing. It's not, not just us, but do it for all of our uh, brothers and sisters out there in, in, uh, microphone land. And that'll do, that's the show. Let's wrap it up before we end up making it 10 minutes longer for no reason. So there you go. This is the show. We'll be back next week. Till then I'm Connor. And I'm Josh. Thanks, everyone.